Welcome to the BNP Rome Podcast, Season 2. Once again, this is your host, Brian, and as always, thanks for joining me. Episode 30. P is for Sagittarius season, the both and episode. In case you didn't know that tune, that was the opening to the bombastic voodoo child by the one and only Jimi Hendrix, a most Sagittarian musician if ever there was one. Not to worry folks, we'll return to Jimi later in the episode. For now, I've got to admit, I've been in a pretty deep funk lately so putting this podcast together was not the easiest thing I've done. I've shared some over the years on the BNP Rome podcast about some of my mental health struggles. I've never been diagnosed with what is called bipolar disorder, which I would rather reframe as bipolar condition, but I believe that what I have, a better diagnosis, would be cyclothymia. And a more pleasant way might be to call it an artistic temperament. But whatever you call it, I tend to have periods where I'm just not good for a whole lot, where putting words together is a heck of a lot more challenging than it usually is for me. In other words, it's not the best headspace to be in to create a podcast. All that said, I realize I've committed to these monthly looks at the astrological signs the sun is cruising through, and well, if I didn't get on with it, by the time I release this episode, the sun would be done with old Sagittarius. So here it is. Today's episode is kind of a combo of the Season 2 format of the BNP Realm, with me doing a Riverside Rambler for a fair amount of it, on the topic of Sagittarius, of course, and then a few scripted parts at the end before we share some more of my main man, Jimi Hendrix. So, dig, baby. Without any more, why don't we dig into it? Thanks a lot. Enjoy the show. It's Sagittarius season, everyone. Fortunately... Sagittarius season here in Japan means that it is usually sunny. Unfortunately, that means it's often windy. So I'm sitting on my uh, Sagittarian park bench, just finished up my breathing and uh, meditation routine in the sun, and I have some concerns about the wind. But like a true Sagittarian, we're going to move forward and be adventurous, maybe even a bit reckless, and record. So, first, let's talk about the keywords from the Astrology Bible for Sagittarius. They are Seeker, Quest, Questioning, Adventure. Spontaneity, optimism, tactlessness, philosophy, freedom, careless, idealistic, extravagant, jovial, freedom-loving, exaggeration, restlessness. Well, I'm a person who... I want to talk about the two types of astrology. Uh, because I'm Sagittarius is a philosophical sign. It's a uh, fire. It's a fire sign. It's mutable. And well, let me uh, let me pause that pop there. 
I'm going to read you just real quickly some notes I took from the uh, Astrology Foundation series from Rick Merlin Levine uh, from Astrology Hub. And he was speaking. He says, if Aries is the bonfire that goes up in a flash, the fire burns out. Speaking of the fire signs, okay? The three fire signs being Aries, Leo, and Sagittarius. Uh, again, if Aries is the bonfire that goes up in a flash, the fire then burns out. Leo is the fire in the hearth that we sustain. It's the eternal light that never goes out. But Sagittarius is a light that is almost an idea, a light that's farther away, maybe a burning star in a distant galaxy. It's inspirational, aspirational, a hopefulness that we will reach. So Sagittarians are the world's travelers. Something is on track with this mutable fire. So another way you, you find it is Aries might be like, I want to be a doctor, but then they'll change their mind next week because they're cardinal fire. Leo will stay the course. Sagittarius would be like a person who says, this is what I want to do, and then they get distracted, but then they come back to it. They go on adventures. Now, I can speak to this uh, because, and this is where I want to talk about the two kinds of astrology. There's Western Hellenistic astrology, and then we could just say Eastern or Vedic astrology. And again, folks, before I go on further, I want to uh, be clear about where I am in my astrological process. I've been uh, studying, deep diving into astrology, really since uh, fall two years ago, 2019. Um, maybe around, yeah, I started in that anyway. Let's just say two years ago, 2019. It was definitely two years ago. Uh, so I'm not an expert, and I may get a few things wrong, but I'm going to try to be uh, state things that uh, I've reflected on, and this is why I'm using some of these resources like the Astrology Bible and the course I took from Rick Levine to kind of ground me. And then I want to reflect upon my own chart, and I want to talk about um, the seasons and kind of go from there. And here comes the wind. <laughs> here comes the wind, just on cue. You know, it's not an air season now. Wind, you can go away. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, my chart, from a Western Hellenistic astrology, I'm a Sun Capricorn. And I have Sun, Moon, Jupiter uh, conjunction in Capricorn. And also my North Node is uh, in conjunction. It turns out, this is something I found out in the past few weeks. Uh, I was, we are right now in an eclipse season. Last uh, Friday, uh, November, what day was that? The 19th? Um, yep, that'll be correct. November 19th here, uh, there was an eclipse, a, a partial lunar eclipse that I read was the longest partial lunar eclipse in 500 years. And I will just tell my experience of it. I was walking from uh, the train station here in Japan to my Friday night class. And something compelled me to turn and look to my right, and I look up and I see the moon, and I'm like, wow, that's cool. Like, you could see the bottom sliver of it, maybe about uh, one-fifth of it, 20%. And then the top was kind of this reddish haze, and I thought, is that like a cloud or something? And then I thought, wait, this is the eclipse. So I looked up online, and it said, yes, the eclipse is happening right now. It was past the peak by uh, not too long, by like an hour or so. Um, so that's why I could see the bottom of the moon, but uh, yeah pretty cool and uh, anyway we are in eclipse season we've got another one coming up a solar eclipse which will be happening um, on December 4th if I'm not mistaken and now even when I say dates this is something I, I feel living in Japan I hear astrologers talk and most astrologers I listen to are based out of the US and so they'll use you know US times but you know, they say this upcoming solar eclipse is on December 4th, but then I have to check my calendar because oftentimes uh, December 4th in America is December 5th in Japan. Um, interestingly, I have a good friend. Okay, my daughter. I have a good friend, and, and I have a daughter. And my daughter was born at 1.30 a.m. March 7th here in Japan. And my good friend, Polly, was born on March 6th 
in America. So really, they were born on the same day, although the dates are different. Um, you know, so we make these little divisions in time, and you know, of course, it's depending on where you are in the world. But I think this is kind of an interesting Sagittarian exploration here because, well, as I was saying, there are two um, main branches. Um, major branches of astrology, the one that came out of India in the East and the one that came out of uh, ancient the West, the Greek, Greece, Hellenistic astrology. And then I think there's even uh, th that astrology that goes back further to Babylonian times, but I'm not sure. I think that went into the Greek one, and again, that's where I'm just going to say I don't know. Further investigation required. Um, but if you use those two so like I said, I just said I'm a Capricorn, but I have uh, several planets. Let's go. We're sticking with the Western here. I have several planets in Sagittarius, and uh, including a Mars-Neptune conjunction by about three degrees. So it's not super tight, but tight enough when you have, you know, a conjunction. I think within five degrees is a conjunction, um, especially for an outer planet. But Mars is an inner planet. So anyway, I think that's a decent enough in all the sites I look at say I have a Mars uh, Neptune conjunction um, and then I have uh, let's see hold on a sec I'm calling this up again because I want to be accurate here um, I have several asteroids and these are all it's interesting uh, I have Venus in Sagittarius at 21 degrees and I already said Neptune and then I have um, Lilith Black Moon Lilith at, and Juno and those are all so I'll just read these to you. My Mars is at 3 degrees, uh, 40 minutes. Uh, next up comes the, I believe it was Juno at 4 degrees 11. So that's that's a tight conjunction there within 1 degree. Next up is the uh, Black Moon Lilith at 5 degrees 19. So that's really close to Juno. And then Neptune at 6 degrees 22. So the, uh, there's this tight conjunction, and that's going on right now. Um, the sun right now is at, uh, well, it's not quite yet, but I'm coming up on it. Um, the sun is at 1 degree 57. So in the next several days, I'll be going through sun conjunctions with all these uh, planets. And I could say asteroids, but in astrology, um, something else that I think people should know. that this, this podcast is more for people who are not super knowledgeable about astrology. So I'm try that's who I'm trying to communicate to. Um, a planet in astrology is anything, a wandering uh, object in the sky. So therefore, the sun and the moon are planets. And uh, even though Pluto has been uh, relegated to not planetary status by our astronomers in astrology, it is still a planet. And so even I think we could say, and this is another one where I'm not sure, but... Um, all these asteroids are also considered, I think by that definition, they'd be considered planets too. And depending on the astrologer you follow, some will use asteroids, some don't. Um, but it gets awfully complicated the more you add into it, you know, the more bodies you add into it. And I spent about 20 or 30 minutes this morning trying to figure out some stuff about my uh, my relationships and um, my sexuality and things like that. And I was looking and I was thinking, oh, I have this conjunction between Black Moon Lilith and Juno. And Lilith was a, um, well, she was the original woman that God created in the Garden of Eden. But she didn't want to be dominated by um, Adam sexually, and so she, she left. And so I was reading a little bit about this this morning. Um, many people think this is why it kind of has this negative framing about a woman who's in, in, in her own power, in her own sexuality. Whereas Juno, it was the uh, wife of Jupiter, or Zeus. And, um, you know, Jupiter slash Zeus was a kind of a philanderer. And yet she stuck by him, but she also took a certain amount of revenge on the people, women, nymphs, characters, creatures that Zeus was philandering with. Um, but Juno's kind of considered the marriage, um, yeah, marriage uh, star, or marriage planet, sorry, planet, not star. Anyway, 
So I've got a lot going on in Sagittarius by Western astrology. Now, if you go to Eastern, the Vedic astrology, uh, my, my, all those conjunctions I just told you about with uh, uh, Sun, Moon, Jupiter, and my North Node would all be in Sagittarius. And um, I didn't mention this, but Mercury, I also have Mercury in uh, Capricorn in Western, and I believe it would be in Sagittarius in Eastern, although I'm going to double check that right now. Let's be accurate here. Yep, yep, my Mercury would be at six degrees of Sagittarius. The point is, with my chart, no matter if you look at it from a Western Hellenistic point of view, where I'm Capricorn slash Sagittarius, or an Eastern Vedic point of view, where I'm Sagittarius slash Scorpio, like those are the heavy themes in my chart, I have a lot of Sagittarius. And to be honest with you, one of the reasons I dismissed astrology until I was around the age of my mid-30s, when I found Richard Tarnas's book, Cosmos and Psyche, is because when I read about Capricorns and the character of a Capricorn, I didn't, it didn't resonate that much with me. Uh, and so I was like, well, this doesn't make much sense. And so I, like a lot of people, I think, you know, our culture, well, here comes a strong wind. It actually felt kind of good. Uh, our culture has a, our Western secular culture, um, which, well, it has a bias against astrology. Let's just put it that way. And we like to think it's a scientific bias, but the funny thing is, is that actually it grows out of a uh, religious bias. Um, something interesting about our, our science, people that have this kind of secular perspective, is that um, they don't recognize that some of the, the biases of science actually grew out of the biases of the religious uh, beliefs. So I'll leave that there. Uh, I, as you can tell, I'm kind of waxing philosophical with this particular one, but that is the nature of Sagittarius. And I think, yeah, when I look at those keyword descriptions of Sagittarius, they definitely sound more like who I've been in my life. Um, but maybe it's just because they come across as a little bit more positive and fun than Capricorn does. But it is interesting. So what I'm getting at here, so last uh, January, February, you know, I'd done this kind of really, really 2020 was the year I did a deep dive into astrology. Like I probably spent more of my time uh, learning about astrology than I did anything else except for what was going on in the world, the current events, the pandemic and all that. Uh, you know, I listened to a lot of astrology podcasts. I took some courses, uh, you know, watched a lot of videos. Um, I really felt like I was kind of in like astrology college, you know, last year. And then I got to you know, January, February, and I was going through a lot of doubt last year. You know, around this time last year was when I really kind of hit a bottom, and I felt like, what is my purpose? What am I doing here? What's the point of all this? And it was a pretty dark, hard period. And, uh, <clears throat> well, there's some resonance with that right now. I'm going through a little bit of that right now, too. Um, but just starting to do this podcast has actually helped me feel a little bit more like... A little better about things. Um, anyway, so last February, late January, February, just say winter, you know, when winter is at its most shitty. <laughs> um, middle of winter. Sorry, winter, I shouldn't be knocking you since I am a winter baby, but, you know, when winter is at that point where it's like, is this ever going to end? I was kind of thinking, like, you know, there are, like, I live in Japan and there's, like, these two kinds of astrology and maybe it's all bullshit, maybe I was right in the first place, um, but then I went to this place of, and this is a place I've been in all of my life, which is both and, and so I can see that I'm both Capricorn Sagittarius and Sagittarius Scorpio, but again, either way you cut it, I'm Sagittarius, so <laughs> I like that. I like it doing it that way, and I can look at, you know, look at my chart through both a Western and an Eastern 
a reading and just try to, you know, you what I try to do with learning about astrology is just try to learn about myself and about the world I'm in and don't don't I don't hold on to it too tightly. And now Rick Levine would tell you that you should study all these things and then you should pick a system and and go with it. But he talked about how he uses, um, also in astrology, there's various house systems. You know, when you go into Western astrology, there's like, I can't remember all the names, but there's many house systems, and that will change where, uh, not the sign your planet is in so much, but uh, what house your planets planets are in. And that, and that can get awfully confusing. So last year I got to this point of just being like, all right, forget all the houses, um, and even forget the signs to some degree, because like right now, if you look at the Western chart, it'll say, oh, the sun is in Sagittarius. But if you look at the Eastern, it'll be like, nope, it's in Scorpio. And it's like, well, then, you know, like, so all these people are like, well, it's in Sagittarius right now. And this is what it means. And all this is like, well, really? What about from the East? And one more thing I'm going to throw at you. And this is probably just confusing everybody, but this is, this is, we're, we're playfully exploring. We're on an adventure here, and that's the point of Sagittarius. Okay, there's not any, there's no right or wrong here with this. We're just having some fun. So, northern hemisphere and southern hemisphere. So right now, I could talk, go into what Sagittarius season is regarding the seasons, and I would talk to you about how I'm looking at this tree above me, and the leaves are all pretty dark brown. There are not that many left. Pretty soon, it's going to be barren. And, you know, the sun that doesn't come up until, doesn't say light all that long, so I'm feeling like Sagittarius season's a season where you feel kind of rushed to get everything done. Um, Christmas is coming, and, you know, for people in the western, northern hemisphere, Christmas is coming, so people are thinking about that. If you're an American right now, this week it's Thanksgiving, so... There's all these holidays, and it can be a really busy kind of season, and yet every day is getting darker and darker. But then it's like, wait a minute. Hey, mate, I live in Australia. It's not like that down here. <laughs> Terrible Australian accent, but you get the gist. And so I think, well, and that's another aspect of astrology I've been exploring, which is, and I find this, and I've been hearing, it's interesting, as I've been exploring this really over the past couple months, I've been getting some synchronicities from some astrologers that I follow talking about how this is really a great gateway into really getting astrology to work for you, which is you use the oppositions. So Sagittarius is in opposition with Gemini. And so Sagittarius season here in the north, well, as far as experientially, the season for people in the southern hemisphere, it's Gemini season right now. It's the, you know, it's the season that's, you know, it's the last, uh, it's the se last season, last month of spring. And Gemini season and Cancer season are the two lightest seasons of the year. Just as the opposite, Sagittarius and Capricorn are the two darkest. Um, and this is where, you know, you really get into this both and paradox and, I can tell you guys, like, this is where I just feel my, my juices start to flow, where I'm really feeling like, all right, now we're getting to the, the matter of things, which is all these polarity, or all these polarities, these dualities, underneath there is this unity, you know? Um, you can't have Sagittarius season without Gemini season, you know? You just can't. And I've always thought to myself, and I might do this, I don't know where my life is leading me, I had this thought before that um, I lived in, a, you know, I, okay, so the, the Pacific Rim is, you know, the Pacific Rim uh, be around the Pacific, okay, <laughs> the rim of the Pacific. Uh, I lived in Washington. I was born in Washington State and uh, in the Seattle area. Then I moved to, went to college in Los Angeles and then back to Washington. And then when I was 31, I moved here to Japan. Now, if you were to draw the Pacific Ocean, so, and, you know, the whole Pacific Ocean, so I started off in the northeast Seattle, uh, west coast of America, and now I'm in the northwest in Japan, and so I'd had this thought 
several years back that like, okay, maybe next I'll move to the southwest, which would be Australia, New Zealand, somewhere down there, Tasmania. Um, and then I'll finish off my life in the southeast, which would be somewhere in South America. And I thought about, uh, I think it's Uruguay. I get them confused, Uruguay, Paraguay. The one that, the one that's more liberal that had legalized weed. <laughs> that's where I was going to end up. Um, but then, you know, the pandemic started. Um, I'd had these thoughts. And sorry, I'm really going off the astrology here, but this is, uh, you know, again, <laughs> for those of you that are new to the podcast, the second season of this podcast, which started this year, is I kind of did this thing called, and I'm doing this thing right now, called the Riverside Ramblers, where I just go out to this park bench by the river near my house and I ramble. So that's what we're getting here. We're getting a little bit of this astrology season thing and also me rambling, but I am tying it into Sagittarius because Sagittarius is about the adventurer, the seeker, the guy that goes out in the world and... I think that would be kind of cool to live my life in these four quadrants, but um, then the pandemic happened. And originally, I was going to go on an adventure to the U.S. I was going to uh, take a cross-country trip by train, and I'll explain this real quick. I was going to write a book. The book was going to be caught titled 2020 Vision. Uh, uh, what is it? I'm trying to remember the subtitle. An expat looks back, is here now, and gazes forward at his homeland. I think that's what the title was. It was something along that. Um, and I was going to take a train trip by Amtrak. You, they have this pass. It's kind of like a 40-day pass. And I was going to do this thing where I was going to make a rule. The one rule I was going to have is I could not drive a car by myself, which meant I could take Ubers or taxis. I could take trains. I could take planes. I could take. Well, I couldn't take a plane. I wasn't going to take any planes if I could avoid it. Planes, trains, and automobiles, but no automobiles by myself. Um, at one point of the trip, a friend from Japan was going to join me, and I thought, well, then, then we can rent a car. We were going to drive from Vegas down to L.A. Um, anyway, the question I was going to ask myself, the kind of question driving the book, was can Americans still love each other despite their differences? Because I had this intuition that this decade, America is facing a do we keep going with this thing forward or do we break apart? Uh, and I still really honestly believe that. And I still think this is a very pertinent question. And I still want to write this book. Um, I might be putting it off until 2024. I wanted to do it during a presidential election season. Anyway, that got put off, obviously. As I'm talking about it now, I think you can tell. I didn't do that. But then there was a while there where I was talking to some friends in Australia. And I was like, well, maybe I, you know, I'll just change my plans and I'll fly down and meet you guys. Because I've always wanted to visit Australia. And then that didn't happen. And now, looking at the way things are going in Australia, I'm like, well, maybe my uh, <laughs> living down there will not happen. And New Zealand, for that matter. Um, because they're kind of going full totalitarian. However, there's a lot left to unfold in this particular story. So we'll see. And I'm, if you're an Australian or a Kiwi and you're listening to this, I, uh, I fully support your efforts to take your country back um, from these forces that are, yeah, wanting to change it into something that none of you, I think, really thought you would ever see in your country. Um, it certainly has surprised me, but I don't know enough about your politics and your history to know um, whether I should have been surprised. That's part. Of, I'm surprised because I didn't know. Um, but listening to some Australians talk, it feels like a lot of them are surprised too, and some friends from New Zealand. Okay, so I'm not sure where to go from here. Uh, there was one more aspect of uh, Sagittarius season I was going to speak to, and I, maybe I'll just finish with this. Um, here, I'm going to here. The point is about all that is that for astrologers, uh, I think you know most astrologers that I listen to are based out in the northern hemisphere, and. Sometimes I feel for my, my, my brothers and sisters in the Southern Hemisphere because our world is very Northern Hemisphere-centric, you know, um, European world. And just human, if you look at the human population, it's definitely much more in the Northern Hemisphere than the Southern. Um, you know, India and China alone pretty much put that over the top. But, you know, then you look at the U.S. and Europe. Uh, there's just not that many of you below the equator. And that's interesting. Uh, but... 
yeah, I would imagine, like I've, I've often thought about with, you know, Christmas movies and such, they always show it being dark and, you know, snow and, you know, all these, whoa, here comes the wind. Uh, and yet, if you're in the Southern Hemisphere, your experience of Christmas, like if you live in Australia or New Zealand, is like, it's summer. And so I've often thought, and now here I'm going to give a little bit of a advice to those of you who are creative people that live in the South. Make a Christmas movie that is set in New Zealand or Australia. There probably has been one, but, you know, make a good one. Kind of show us Northern Hemisphere people our biases, you know? Um, I do remember having a teacher in third grade, Mrs. Hamamura, I think her name was, a Japanese last name, but she was from Hawaii. And uh, she, I remember teaching us about Santa Claus surfing in Hawaii on for Christmas and thinking that was really cool so anyway it's a big big broad world and it's very easy to get centered in the place we're at and think that this is the way the world is everywhere they think that in uh, Sagittarius season it's sunny and windy but that's just where I am right now in Japan um, and it's getting awfully windy so I'm gonna pause here and I'm gonna finish up later thanks for listening to this segment For this next segment, I'd like to talk about the nodes of the moon, because it does relate to Sagittarius season, and it also relates to my philosophical exploration adventure of astrology and how astrology has helped me. So <clears throat> the nodes of the moon, you have the north node and the south node. And as many times as I've read the technical details of what the nodes actually mean, I still don't really understand it, so I'll leave that to you to look it up. But it's an 18-month cycle. I can understand that. And the nodes will they go in reverse astrological order. So that means right now, since May of 2020, the north node has been in Gemini, and the south node has been in Sagittarius. And it starts at 30 degrees of Gemini and works its way down to zero degrees. And in, I believe, I should probably check these dates, but it's sometime in, I think, late December. It might be January, but sometime very soon it will cross and the north node will then be in Taurus and the south node will be in Scorpio for 18 months. And learning about this was actually, like I said, this is one of the most helpful things I've gotten from learning about astrology. And I got this information from Eugenia Crock of the Accessible Astrology Podcast. And it was so useful to me that I joined her community um, for several months. And uh, so what she told me back in near the end of April, before I was going to switch and do the north node of Gemini, south node of Sagittarius, is... The North Node is the direction that uh, we're evolving toward. And the South Node is the karma that we're working with. It's kind of our comfort zone, but we're also working through uh, the karmic issues. And the way I understood what she was saying, well, I'll just say what she said. So the North Node in Gemini means Gemini is a very curious, playful, ask lots of questions sign uh, and Gemini as she explains it too is she uses the uh, se the seasons of life like um, so Gemini is like ages three to seven it's basically toddler and early elementary school um, and you know those are the kids that ask why is the sky blue and they ask lots of questions and they have kind of beginner's mind and so her advice was, over the next 18 months, ask lots of questions, be inquisitive, be able to hold two opposite perspectives at once if possible. Um, don't hold on too tightly to too many answers. Because Sagittarius, the south node, was in Sagittarius, and Sagittarius can be self-righteous. It can be, I've got the ultimate truth and I'm going to preach it from the mountaintop. Um, it's the guru of, the, of 
astrological signs in many ways, and it can be, yeah, a little bit full of itself. You know, Sagittarius is ruled by Jupiter, and Jupiter is, um, yeah, exaggerates everything. And so I was told, be careful of self-righteousness. And let me ask you, have you noticed in the last 18 months, anybody, yourself included, being a little bit self-righteous? I have a feeling you have. Uh, <laughs> and how many questions did you ask over the last 18 months? Also a good thing to wonder about. Um, did you go into it knowing the answers, or did you go into this whole period from May of 2020 until now asking questions? And I'm walking down a path right now. It's pitch dark. And there's a dog. Well, he's down off the path, so there's no worries, but because it's dark, it's a little scary. A little scary. Um, so, the uh, nodal axis is a very interesting, uh, one of the interesting cycles you can play with in astrology. And it's very important in the evolutionary astrology, um, from what I understand. And I can say more about it. Well, that in your own chart, you look at where the node of the moon is, what sign it's in, um, and you could also use what house, but just what sign is a good starting place. And that is kind of what you're trying to evolve toward to become uh, your most full self, expression of yourself. Uh, and again, for me, that w my north node is in Capricorn if we use Western astrology, but if we use uh, Vedic, then it's in Sagittarius. And I am going to stick with the both and for now, um, which is also kind of a Gemini thing to do. You know, it's both Gemini and Sagittarius, I think, to kind of hold the both and. Okay, I'm going to stop here because I think there's something in the path ahead of me. And it's kind of freaking me out, but I will say more maybe later. But thanks for listening to this bit. Now I'd like to tie in the concept of gratitude to Sagittarius season. For those of you who are Americans, I'm recording this at what would be the tail end of what is your annual Thanksgiving Day holiday. Thanksgiving is a time to gather with friends and family over food to give thanks. Simple as that. Traditionally, it has been tied into the fall harvest, and there are various festivals like Thanksgiving around the world connected to the harvest. This makes sense, of course, because in order to survive the winter, we need to pull in a good fall harvest, at least in societies that were not based on the economy that we have today. Thus, giving thanks for that harvest is really giving thanks for continued life on this planet. That's a pretty important thing to give thanks for, isn't it? Now, it's thanks to the Astrology Hub podcast and an email I received from them that I'm going to tie Thanksgiving into astrology and Sagittarius season. You see, in 1863, President Abraham Lincoln made Thanksgiving occur every year on the fourth Thursday of November. Holding it on this day makes it so that it will always fall in Sagittarius season. In addition, Thursday is the day of the week associated with Jupiter. And remember, Jupiter is the planetary ruler of Sagittarius. But it doesn't stop there. One of the main symbols of Thanksgiving is the cornucopia, the horn of plenty, filled with fruits, vegetables, flowers, nuts, and grains. And the cornucopia is a gift that Jupiter, aka Zeus, often gave to people who cared for him. Next, Jupiter's color is saffron yellow, which is also associated with Thanksgiving. And... Last, the herbs and aromatic smells of Thanksgiving, cinnamon, cloves, nutmeg, sage, chestnut, and maple, are also associated with Jupiter. So, Thanksgiving can be rebranded as Jupiter Day. Now, going back to the days and returning to the, our theme on this episode of both and, and being able to hold two different perspectives, according to the Astrology Bible, Jupiter is traditionally aligned with Friday. However, after doing some digging around the internet, it seems this is one of the areas where the Astrology Bible may be out of line with its peers.
But before we leave this discussion of the days of the week, since I live in Japan, here is an interesting fact. It seems that after the Western world began to interact with the Japanese about 150 years ago, the Japanese added days of the week to their calendar and used the same order of the planets that we do on Western calendars to name their days. Previously, the Japanese had used a lunar calendar and just had names for the 28 days of the month. Now, what is that order, you ask? Well, the first two you know and can guess. Sunday is the sun and Monday is the moon. And then it's Tuesday, Mars, Wednesday, Mercury, Thursday, Jupiter, Friday, Venus, and Saturday, I think you can guess. That's right, Saturn. Those are the seven planets that we can see with the naked eye. Those middle four days come to us from the Norse gods. That's right, my Norwegian friends. Tuesday, or Tuesday, Tu, is the Norman god which corresponds to the Roman god Mars. Wednesday, from Wolden, the Norse god of war, corresponding to the Roman Mercury. Now that one doesn't quite make sense to me, but I'm reading from an, an article that I will post to you in the show notes. Thursday for Thor, Jupiter, and Friday for Fry, the Norse god of love, similar to the Roman god Venus. Pretty interesting, huh? Such explorations of knowledge are much in line with Sagittarius, the eternal student. Anyway, if you want more on the topic of the names and orders of the days of the week, I've linked an article I found in the show notes. Okay, thanks for listening to this segment. For our final segment, let's show some gratitude for the magic of music. It seems that for much of my life, I've combated the darkening days of Sagittarius season by listening to music. Some years I've put together top song playlists for the years. Other years I've read articles on best albums of the year and gone back and found things that I missed. And boy, is it easy to miss stuff these days. To be honest, I've not done a great job keeping up with music in 2021, so maybe I will revisit that old habit of looking for stuff I missed and possibly share some of what I find on upcoming shows. But for now, let's talk about Jimi Hendrix. As a fellow native of the Puget Sound region who loves rock and roll, not just the sound but the spirit, once I started my dive into classic rock in my mid-teens, it was impossible to miss Jimmy. Seattle radio stations KISW and KZOK played him a lot. Fortunately, that was a good thing. Now, there's so much about Jimmy that makes him a cultural treasure, but this episode is focused on Sagittarius. And in a minute, I'm going to read a very good article on Jimmy as representing the Sagittarius musician. Suffice it to say, though, Jimmy was not only ahead of his time, he seems to have come from out of time altogether. There was no one like him then, and I don't think anyone like him since. Now, the songs I picked, well, there are just so many Hendrix songs I love, but I wanted to pick two that aren't always on the radio. The first one, If Six Were Nine, I chose for three reasons. The first is that the rebel spirit of it seems to yell Sagittarius. It is about walking one's own path no matter what you do, no matter what the cultural trends are saying. Just be yourself, damn it. One of the things we have to be careful of is turning our power over to others. And there is a tendency in Sagittarians to become the gurus of the astrological wheel. But, as Krishnamurti implored us, be your own guru. And I think Jimmy is saying that loud and clear with this song. The second reason I chose it is that the song represents the fire of Sagittarius. Jimmy has lots of fiery songs, including, yes, one of his big hits, called Fire, and If Six Were Nine is just another of them that will put a bounce in your step as you listen. The third reason is, my favorite band, Fish, played a stellar cover of this tune during their recent Las Vegas Halloween run. It was a night when they played only songs that had numbers in their titles. They started with 2001, and then worked their way backwards down the number line, to one of their, their originals called Character Zero, before encoring with another original backwards down the number line. Anyway, Fish doesn't get enough love from me on this show, so I thought I'd shout that out. And the second song I picked is a mellow one to send you off. Yes, I could have gone with the amazing Little Wing, or the more groovy Castles Made of Sand, 
or another lesser known that I love, Waterfall, but it's pretty darn hard to beat Jimmy's drifting to sail off into the Sagittarian sunset too. Am I right? Okay, now I'm going to read this article about Jimmy representing the Sagittarius musician. Jimi Hendrix was born at 10.15 a.m. on November 27, 1942, in Seattle, Washington. Throughout his adult life, Jimi Hendrix maintained that he was not from this planet at all. He was a visitor, from Jupiter, or from an asteroid off the coast of Mars, or the astral planes, which he claimed he had visited as a boy. The point was, Jimmy was just passing through. Wherever he came from, when he touched down on planet Earth, Hendrix arrived with a horoscope that was a perfect fit for a cosmic voyager. Jimmy was born when the sun was in Sagittarius, the sign of the traveler and visionary. Sagittarius doesn't like to be fenced in, physically or mentally. The centaur gallops far and aims its arrows high. The sense of space, the big picture, informs the work of many Sagittarian artists. The thunderous joys of Beethoven, sun and moon in Sagittarius, the dark jungles of Joseph Conrad, sun, or the sci-fi excursions of Steven Spielberg, sun and Mercury. Jim Morrison, sun, was another Sag who wanted to break on through to the other side. Jimmy was no exception. His songs are full of arch arching skies, majestic oceans, distant planets, and alien landscapes. Images Jimmy conjured up not just through words, but with an astonishing array of soaring guitars and cutting-edge sonic effects. No artist in rock ever traveled further or with greater genius. In Jimmy's horoscope, the sign of Sagittarius is super strong, containing not just the sun, the self, but Mercury, mind, slash, dexterity, Venus, romance and style, and the all-important descendant, one's destination. This configuration describes a born artist where nothing and nobody were ever going to hold him down. Jimmy left home at the earliest opportunity and rarely looked back on a quest that Jimmy's biographer, Harry Shapiro, describes as a, quote, firm belief he had a divine message to impart, that it was his duty to bring a vision of love and healing to the world, unquote. The Sagittarian desire for freedom is only half the story. Like Gemini and Pisces, Sagittarius is a dual sign with two contrasting sides. One half of the centaur is human philosopher, head in the clouds, the other is lusty horse, feet on the ground. This sign is both beauty and beast, as fellow Sag Little Richard, in whose band Jimmy played, illustrates. Jimmy's freedom fixation was not altogether to his benefit. Artistically, it let him roam, but personally, he could have used a calming influence. Instead, with Uranus, the lightning strikes planet, opposite Venus, his relations with women were always likely to be screwed up. He was drawn to crazy women, electric ladies, as he called them. To go with the influence of fiery Sagittarius, Jimmy had several planets and water signs, signifying a powerfully intuitive and emotional side. There are no planets in the pragmatic earth signs, Jimmy was notoriously impractical, and little in intellectual air signs. He was a creature of fire and water. The oceanic sign of cancer contains Jimmy's moon, emotional life, and Jupiter, sense of hope. And Hendrix, who was born by the Pacific, wrote songs that were haunted by water, by rain, waterfalls, and above all, the power and mystery of the ocean. In Are You Experienced, he promises us will, quote, watch the sun rise from the bottom of the sea, unquote. In Angel, he sings of, quote, the sweet love between the moon and the deep blue sea, unquote. And in 1983, A Merman I Should Be, he delivers an apocalyptic vision of a shattered planet where humanity retreats to the ocean depths and, quote, Atlantis full of cheer, unquote. Like the best science fiction, it's a metaphor, allowing Jimmy to evoke the primal waters of ocean and womb, a subject to which he would return to on Belly Button Blues. With his moon-Jupiter duo sunk in the secretive eighth house of his horoscope, Jimmy's relationships were always likely to be difficult to decipher, his emotions hidden. Though he demanded an independence for himself, he became wildly jealous if anyone abandoned him, a trait reflected by Mars, lust for life, and another water sign, Scorpio. The red planet Mars and its sign, Scorpio, have always represented the military, so it's no surprise that Jimmy served in the army as a paratrooper. He even came to fame wearing a military uniform, an old English army jacket. 
Jimmy never lost sympathy for the common soldier out in Vietnam, where his music was popular among the grunts. In another role, sexually, Lusty Mars is the hard man, the red planet in its own sign gave Jimmy natural flamboyance. Ever the sexual conqueror, on stage Jimmy left no phallic nuance unexplored, stroking, thrusting, and going down on his guitars. Tying together these assorted configurations in Jimmy's birth chart is Neptune, the planet of mysticism, escape, drugs, and drink. Jimmy was hardly alone in being swept away in a drug-induced miasma, but his sense of spirituality was unusually strong. He often described mystic episodes from his boyhood and identified with the red Indian blood in his veins, even though he was only 1 16th Cherokee, that he felt brought him a shaman's vision. Predictably enough, Jimmy himself was a devotee of astrology. At his 1970 concert in Hawaii, he even invited the audience to divide according to their sun signs. Listening to his cosmic voyages to, quote, as far away as Jupiter's sulfur mines, unquote, or to where mountains are chopped down, quote, with the edge of my hand, unquote, one becomes aware of the multi-dimensional realm daily inhabited by Hendrix, with his passion for acid, numerology, and space travel. Yet Jimmy remained careless about his earthly life. His horoscope shows no reason why September 8, 1970 should have spelt out his death. It was a foolish, avoidable accident. But like he told us, Jimmy, the brother from another planet, was only ever passing through. Okay, folks, that's the essay. Enjoy the Jimi Hendrix music, and thanks again for listening to the BNP Realm podcast.
got my own life to live. I know when it's got to die or when it's time for me to die. So let me live my life the way I want to. See? 